Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's been one week since Portland had its hottest day in recorded history. And that came on the heels of two days that were also record-breaking. 116 degrees. What do we make of it? Is this a one-off or a scary preview of our future? I'm Andrew Thien, and this is Beat Check with the Oregonian. Before we start, a quick thank you to our sponsor, Pacific Source, for supporting the show. On the second half of the show, criminal justice reporter Noelle Crombie talks about the unprecedented death toll tied to the heat wave. We talked about what we know about those who lost their lives and what we don't know. But first, staff writer Cale Williams discusses the heat dome that turned Portland and other parts of Oregon on its head for three days. We talked about how climate change plays a role, what scientists say about the phenomenon, and what we can do to prepare. Here's our conversation. Cale Williams, thanks for coming on the show. Happy to be here. So, Kale, uh, we are a week out from the final of the uh, hottest days in Portland history and, and a new phrase in my lexicon of heat dome that I did not know before <laughs> before this uh, phenomenon. What is a heat dome? And is this something that we're going to have to get to know uh, going forward here in Oregon? Uh, well, you're forgiven for not knowing what a heat dome is. They are exceptionally rare in our part of the world. Uh, essentially, what a heat dome is, is a large area of high pressure that parks itself over a given region. They're they're common in the Southwest, Arizona, New Mexico, mm-hmm. places that are typically associated with these extreme temperatures. And what happens under a heat dome is that that high pressure forces the air down. And as the air descends, it compresses and it heats up. What we had over the Pacific Northwest was kind of a confluence of factors. We had the heat dome, but we also had uh, some winds coming out of the east. And what that does is it draws warm, dry air from the high desert in eastern Oregon Mm -hmm. uh, and northern Nevada. And as that comes over the Cascades, that air also descends and it also compresses and it also heats up. So that was another factor that led to these extreme temperatures. On top of all that, we've also been going through a, a pretty widespread and severe drought in the area. And often when the air around here gets hot, there is some moisture in the soil in the plants uh, that evaporates, which provides a modest cooling effect. And that wasn't there. Uh, and mm-hmm. so whatever tempering effect that would have had on the temperatures was nowhere to be found. And the end result which you mentioned was temperatures that hit, I believe, 108 on Saturday, 112 on Sunday, and 116 on Monday here in Portland, and even warmer in some other parts of the state. So is a heat dome, uh, is that connected to climate change or the severity that we experienced here in in, uh, the Pacific Northwest and into uh, British Columbia? Is that due to climate change? The heat dome itself, no. Uh, like I said, it's a very rare weather phenomenon to, to set up in the Pacific Northwest. But 
it's the type of thing that, you know, it comes on top of the baseline of warming temperatures that we're already experiencing because of climate change. I talked to Michael Wenner, who is a senior scientist at the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory in California, mm-hmm. who's done a lot of work on uh, climate change attribution, which is a fancy way of saying, you know, how much of an extreme weather event can be attributed to climate change. And his research has shown that climate change is typically adding three to five degrees on top of whatever weather extremes we likely would have been experiencing anyway. So, you know, a a day that may have been, you know, 104 is now 108. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you have these multiple days stacked up one after another and you have those extreme of temperatures, that little difference can mean a lot, especially when the nighttime lows aren't going down below, you know, the high 70s or low 80s. That doesn't give people's bodies a chance to recover from these types of temperatures. And that's when you see these terrible, terrible tolls on on human life. So, um, you know, I've I've spent the bulk of my life in in Oregon, you know, 30 five years or something, 33 years at this point, And I've never experienced anything like this in terms of a heat dome. Are, are we going to see this particular phenomenon have happen more frequently and at this intense intensity going forward? Is that kind of what experts are, are thinking, or was this just a historically anomalous uh, event that, that, uh, that hit Oregon and, and the Pacific Northwest? You know, I think it's going to take some time to figure that out. Um, like I said, the the connections between the heat dome phenomenon and climate change are still sort of tenuous at best. Uh, mm-hmm. What we do know is that extreme heat events are going to be happening here more frequently. They are going to be more intense and they are going to last longer because of climate change. And that is supported by decades of research from folks here in Oregon. And I mean, that's true of climate change throughout the world. Uh, Extreme events like hurricanes and droughts, uh, heat waves, monsoons, all of those things are going to be exacerbated and made more extreme by climate change. But whether you're going to see the heat dome phenomenon that, you know, catapulted temperatures up to 116. I, th- I think the jury is still out on that, but it, it, it should serve as a bit of a wake-up call, according to all the experts that I talk to, that while, you know, you may not see temperatures of 116 again, you know, mm-hmm. we are going to see more days above 90, more days in the low hundreds. Um, I mean, we've already seen that. The the Oregon Climate Change Research Institute put out a, a climate assessment earlier this year that showed that days with temperatures above 90 degrees have increased since 1940. In Portland, we're seeing eight more days a year that, that go above 90. In Medford, they're seeing 21 more days a year. That's three more weeks out of the year where temperatures are going above 90. To think that this is a one-off event, while technically true, is, is a little bit ignoring the fact that we're still going to be seeing these high temperatures at an increased frequency. And temperatures above 100 can kill, just as temperatures above 110 can. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the deadly effects here, because um, I learned a lot from your reporting in the wake of this this crazy, crazy time we've lived through. Um, why is heat so dangerous and can you talk about how dangerous it is compared to some of the uh, other weather events um, that we 
you know, breathlessly report on around the country when they hit a community. Sure. Uh, heat is far and away the deadliest type of weather event. Uh, it kills more people than hurricanes, tornadoes, cold, any of them um, on a yearly basis. Uh, and part of the reason is that especially up here in the Pacific Northwest, as you mentioned, we're used to a much more temperate climate. And so our bodies aren't used to having to deal with temperatures that are above 100 degrees for multiple days in a row. Um, I am not an expert on the physiology of exactly how heat kills, but, mm -hmm. you know, once the body gets to a certain temperature, it can't cope and organs start shutting down. There's been reports of renal failure, uh, not here in Oregon with this heat wave, but especially in the, the heat wave that hit Chicago in 1995 uh, that, you know, has had upwards of 700 deaths attributed to it, where folks weren't used to that type of heat and went out and were exercising and experienced kidney failure. Um, a lot of the deaths that we're seeing with this heat wave here in Oregon, uh, medical examiners have said these are amongst older folks uh, who likely lived alone, who did mm -hmm. not have access to fans or air conditioning. Um, and so like all climate change effects, the, the worst impacts are falling on the shoulders of those who have typically been marginalized, uh, those who live in poverty, those who live alone, older folks. And so it's not like we haven't known that these folks were more vulnerable. Uh, right. Sadly, the the statistics that are coming out about the deaths that have occurred have, have borne that out. Yeah, we're going to know more about uh, where these folks died, um, where they lived in Multnomah County, I, I assume at some point. But I was going back through the clip scale. And I, I mean, you reported back, uh, I think it was pre-pandemic in early 2020 about heat islands, um, you know, East Portland, East Multnomah County. Um, can you talk about what climate change's effect is going to be on areas of our metro area that are already more vulnerable because of uh, the urban environment? So that reporting came from a really interesting study out of Portland State University. Uh, there's an urban planning professor up there by the name of Vivek Shandas, uh, who I actually just talked to yesterday. And he said that you know, basically, if you look at areas of Portland, well, I should back up a little bit. The first thing he mm -hmm. did was went out and, and took some measurements. You know, he was recording temperatures all around the city to see where, you know, which neighborhoods were hotter, which neighborhoods were cooler. And he found that some neighborhoods were, you know, as much as 13 degrees hotter than others uh, on hot days. That's remarkable. Yeah. I mean, 13 degrees is not a small amount. Um, right. And so then he took those maps of where those hotter temperatures were recorded and laid them over areas that were redlined where, you know, African-American communities were denied loan applications for home ownership. Uh, and a lot of them lined up. Uh, and essentially what has happened is there hasn't been investment in those communities in green spaces in parks and tree cover. Uh, and beyond that, those areas are often zoned uh, for things that are basically blanketed in concrete. So you have these hard surfaces that are absorbing the heat in these areas where homeownership has, you know, essentially been denied to a lot of folks. And you end up with hotter neighborhoods that also are aligned with, you know, where the vast majority of minorities live in the city. And we'll probably uh, in the coming days and weeks know more about about this deadly heat wave in terms of how many people died um, as of this talking. You know, we're we're approaching 80. It's likely a lot more and we'll, we'll find out 
you know, what that figure is uh, to the extent we can and, and where those folks lived. Yeah. One more note on uh, Professor Shandis's research. Uh, he told me, I spoke to him yesterday, and he told me that he had been around taking temperatures during this most recent heat wave. And while, you know, 116 was the recorded high at the, the North National Weather Service's office out at the airport, he said that some readings that he had seen around Portland were as high as 124 which is just an un, unimaginable level of heat. Uh, Kale, you mentioned the deadly Chicago heat wave. Um, I, I know that there was also uh, Western Europe had a, uh, a, a catastrophic heat wave um, in the early 2000s as well. What, if anything, do we know about how Western Europe and, and any nations over there responded to um, something that really took them by surprise when it happened? Sure. Yeah, there's actually a lot of really interesting parallels between Western Europe in 2003 and the Pacific Northwest in 2021. These were areas that were not used to this type of heat. Uh, I believe it was, you know, above 100 for six or seven days, um, maybe eight, just about a week. Uh, many places there did not have air conditioning, just like in the Pacific Northwest. And they saw an incredible death toll. France alone measured uh, more than 14,000 deaths above what they would normally see. Mm. Europe-wide, some of those estimates go as high as 70,000. And after that, they really saw, they did see that as a wake-up call. Um, and some of the things they did, they put in uh, real-time surveillance of health data so that they could you know, see who was getting sick and where. They drew up emergency plans for retirement homes and other places that the elderly and most vulnerable lived. They implemented a public warning system so that you know, if they knew that this was coming three days beforehand, they could warn people, they could get these plans in place. So they did all that. And then in 2006, they saw another heat wave. Uh, it was, albeit less intense than the one in 2003, but it was still very hot for an extended period of time. Some researchers took a look at that and, and they kind of accounted for the difference in temperature and they came up with a number of people that they would have expected that would have died uh, under those circumstances. Mm -hmm. And it was something around 6,400. Uh, but instead, because they had put all these measures in place, the country only saw 2,000 excess deaths over what they would have seen normally. And you know, researchers attributed this to you know, mostly all of those measures that they had put in place to warn people, to measure, you know, health outcomes for people in real time and to, you know, set up a warning system so that people would know that this was coming. Yeah, here in, in the Portland region, we're accustomed to emergency alerts about, you know, like a boiled water or boil water advisory or, um, you know, amber alerts, uh, uh, the test for the earthquake notification system. And we've been on a state of emergency for more than a year due, due to the pandemic, but, uh, and the, and the pro prospect of wildfires, uh, that, that generates a, a state of emergency. Uh, yet we didn't really have any of those, uh, deployed, um, for a heat wave that was in the forecast. And we saw those figures on our phones and, uh, we knew that this was coming. Yeah, I think I think time will tell and more accurately reporting will tell um, just exactly what, you know, city, county, state officials did or could have done. But like you said, this was not a surprise um, and we get warnings for all kinds of things. Um, it's not like officials weren't putting out warnings about this. Uh, you know, there's a, a, 
a press release from June 23rd uh, from Multnomah County, you know, basically telling folks that they need to have a cool place to go. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, they need to make arrangements to find one. But whether that was aggressive enough um, to really kind of, you know, put the danger that was coming into perspective, I mean, that's a, that's a matter of opinion. And, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what comes of it. Well, thanks so much for your uh, very thorough reporting on this whole heat dome phenomenon and, and all your other work on climate change and how it affects Oregonians. Appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Let's take a break. Now, reporter Noel Crombie talks about those who died in the heat wave. Noelle Crombie, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So, Noelle, we're talking midday on Friday, and we're still assessing how deadly this heat wave was, and numbers are likely to continue rising. But at this point, what do we know about the people who did die uh, due to heat-related illnesses? Uh, who were they? What can we say at this point? Yeah, uh, those figures, as as you said, are still coming in, we've been getting sort of daily updates um, uh, of the death toll. And in fact, we just got another one midday here on Friday uh, for Multnomah County. The county has identified another seven deaths that it suspects are linked to the heat wave. That brings the total in, in the county to 59. Uh, we know that there are another uh, 27 as of yesterday statewide linked to the heat. Um, we don't have the latest figures on, on that. Um, and we, we sort of only have sort of a bigger picture on a uh, look at who uh, who died. So what we know are, at least for Multnomah County, uh, those who perished range in age from 44 to 97. There were about 19 women and 39 men, although they, the county made clear that their um, records on, on gender are, are still incomplete. Most uh, of those who died were in homes uh, without air conditioning or fan. Um, we do know that some people who were experiencing homelessness did die, but the numbers have not yet been confirmed. We um, have uh, uh, been able to identify two of the people who died, one a farm worker in, in Willamette Valley, uh, and another was a man living in Umatilla County. That story, uh, Noel, of the man living in Umatilla County, I think kind of it raises some questions about a lot of things about just the disbelieving nature some people have of of uh, how deadly he can be, right? And this is just one death, and it shows that um, you know there, it's not as clean a story in some cases, according to family members, if someone died of heat or not. Yeah, uh, the the man who died in Umatilla uh was a, his name is james anfeld uh, he was in his 40s and according to the medical examiner uh mr anfeld was found in a trailer where the temperature it was a travel trailer and the temperature had climbed to 130 degrees 
he was uh, living in a in a uh, in an RV park in Hermiston, uh, and he, he was with his his young son was with him that day, according to the medical examiner. And when police got to the the how the the trailer to do kind of a a, a welfare check after um, a, a resident had stopped in. Um, to see what was going on with Mr. Amfelt, uh, they found the young boy was also, you know, very hot. The family is 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 baffled by by um, by his death. Uh, they say that the the travel trailer was equipped with air conditioning. That he uh, would have had it on. That there, um, you know, he would have had it on both for his own comfort and to protect his son. Um, and they are they're really puzzled by the circumstances of of his death. You know, we have so many questions as of this point, Noel, about the you know, more than um, 75 or so, or even more uh, people we don't know anything about their identities other than than their age. Um, what questions do you have about um, about all that we don't know? Well, right now we're trying to really get a, a, a clearer picture from the state and from the counties about who died. We need really basic information we're looking for. Of course, we would like their names. Um, we we have gotten ages. Uh, we would like the date um, that they died or the date that the medical examiner um, reported their death. Uh, mm-hmm. So we can see you know, on which days... Uh, you know, sort of which of these days was was sort of the deadliest. We're also, you know, we would like uh, demographic data on on these uh, individuals. We've not gotten that information thus far. According to Multnomah County officials, you know, there are only 12 deaths from hyperthermia, uh, where, uh, you know, organ failure when uh, the body is, is too hot from the whole state between 2017 and 2019. So this is not a very common phenomenon here in our state. Um, Is this something that you've encountered in your many years as a reporter and covering tragedies uh, in in Oregon? Never. uh, I've never seen anything like this. And um, it's uh, what compounds the tragedy is the grim conditions in which um, these uh, folks would have passed away. I mean, we're talking about people who were probably alone, um, may have had health conditions. We know that at least in, in Multnomah County, that uh, that most of these people did have underlying conditions. So we're talking about very vulnerable people um, who were alone and um, and suffering. And uh, their average age, like you said, was 68. So um, uh, alone, uh, no air conditioning. And uh, in those conditions, it's a uh, it's a heartbreaking situation. It's extremely uh, it's devastating. What else uh, should I have asked you just about, you know, this process and trying to track down names names right now? I mean, it's uh, it's what we do for our job all the time. But this is just such a different scenario, even coming off of, uh, you know, the more than year and a half of COVID related tragedy that we've covered. Yeah, I mean, I think our goal always is to, you know, is to tell the truth and and help readers understand um, a situation or a news event. And in this case, um, it's important to us, or it's our role really to shed light on what happened here and the and the lives that were lost, and and to tell tell that story as best we can, and and I that's that's the the thrust of at least my reporting efforts today. Thanks so much for all your work and for taking time to talk about it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Beat Check with the Oregonian. 
First, a quick update. I talked to Noel on Friday afternoon, and over the weekend, we learned a bit more about those who died. By midday Sunday, the Multnomah County death toll had risen to 64, and the statewide toll is nearing 100. At least 52 of the Multnomah County victims were white. We don't yet know the racial demographics of the other dead. Lentz in Southeast Portland saw the highest concentration of heat-related deaths by zip code, and Lentz is one of those heat islands Kale and I talked about in the first half of the show. I shared links in the episode notes for what we've reported so far and those deaths that we have identified. If you like this show, give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really does help people find the show. Or tell a friend. Help spread the word. If you value our journalism, the best way to show it is with a subscription to Oregon Live. You can do that at OregonLive.com slash pod support. Until next time.